Democrats have settled on a final desperate midterm strategy. Call Republicans racist. Second verse, same as the first. Proving the age-old maxim, when a left-winger calls you a racist, you know that you've won the argument. We will examine the final midterm arguments and the crucial difference between Republican and Democrat campaigns in 2018. There's one very big difference. Then the mailbag. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome to my dungeon. I know I invite you into my boudoir a lot. Now you're in my dungeon. <laughs> Studio look a little different. First of all, on the one hand, the good news is I'm free from my broom closet. Uh, the bad news is I'm now in a cave somewhere in Tora Bora or something. Uh, we're here. There's some construction going on at the studios right now. And I kind of like the idea that we're in this bunker until the midterm elections. We're in the war room uh, regardless of what happens. Even, even if Republicans hold the Senate, even if the Republicans hold the House, the deluge of leftist tears could be so intense that uh, the leftist tears tumbler wouldn't even be able to sustain them. Now we're in sort of one giant leftist tears tumbler, a leftist tears silo, if you will. We have a lot to get to today. President Trump is coming out swinging. He's, he's fighting to the very last minute in these midterm elections. He's nationalized this election, which is a huge win. Democrats are using the only trick that they've got, which is to call conservatives racists. Uh, we'll analyze race by race, but first, let's make a little money, honey. What time is it? Oh, it's time to make a little money, honey. Okay. Do you know how I know that? Because of my movement watch. You know how much I love movement watches, founded by those two college dropouts that started their own watch company. The company has grown like crazy. They have now sold uh, almost 2 million watches in 160 plus countries. They continue to revolutionize fashion on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. I was at a party last night. I saw a guy, he didn't even listen to the show, just wearing one of his little movement watches. I complimented him on his. He complimented me on mine. I get a ton of compliments on this thing. This is the Atlas Revolver. I think it's the coolest watch they've made, but there are a bunch of others that I want that they still haven't sent me. So go over, get them yourself. You know, maybe send one over here. I don't know. Celebrate uh, uh, Republicans hopefully picking up seats in the Senate. Um, movement watches are all about looking good and keeping it simple. They don't tell you how many steps you've taken. They don't, you know, blow up your wrist with text messages and you got to call your mother back or whatever you got to do. Not that at all. They tell the time like a watch is supposed to do. Movement watches start at just 95 bucks at a department store. You'd be spending four or 500 bucks for this. Today, get 15% off with free shipping and free returns by going to movementmvmt.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. See why movement keeps growing. Check out their expanding collection. Go to movementmvmt.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, and join the movement. So right now, for these races, uh, I won't go through all of the polling, but right now, uh, there are some there are some real movement in the Republican direction on Senate races. There was a really tight Senate race in Indiana, and Joe Donnelly just made a few racist comments, legitimately racist comments, because he said uh, he said I've I've got a staffer who's African American, but she does a good job. I've got a staffer who's Indian, but he does a good job. Actually, he just kept repeating it. <laughs> so uh, that one's tightening up. Uh, West Virginia looks like it's in a dead heat right now. We've got Republicans way up in North Dakota. We've got Republicans up uh, in Missouri, I believe. Um, there's just, there's a lot of movement going on. As for the House, Cook Political Report is now revising up the number of seats that they think Democrats are going to take. They now think that at the outer limit, Democrats could take 40 seats. This is up from their prediction at 35 seats. To put that into historical perspective, 
Uh, Barack Obama lost 63 seats in his first midterm election. Bill Clinton lost 54 seats in his first midterm election. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Actually, if the Democrats win 30 seats, all in all, that's a that's a sort of a win for the Republicans. Historically speaking, that means they held on to a lot of seats. I'm not sure even that is going to happen. The Democrats have to flip 24 seats in order to take the House. I don't know. I don't want to make any predictions. I don't want, you know, who knows? We actually still have a few days. Things could change. These races are all so close. I'm not convinced Republicans are going to lose the House. I'm not convinced at all. I think we're not in normal times. I think that the polling is reliable when you're in normal times. And right now we're not in normal times. This election has become a referendum on Donald Trump. Trump has done that and the media have been happy to oblige. Uh, they've, they've made it a national election about Trump. And right now the left has gone so insane that it's socially unacceptable to say that you support Donald Trump in a lot of places. It can hurt you at your job. It'll certainly hurt you at your university. It can hurt you with family members, so people don't say it. You've got leftist mobs in the street. So I'm not sure that I really believe the polling. I'm not sure that people are going to tell pollsters that they're willing to support the Trump agenda. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll be here on election night. But Donald Trump is going down to the wire with a brutal campaign ad. I think it is superb in typical Trumpy fashion. It's not, uh, not the most subtle. Not the most subtle ad in the world. And they are focusing this election, just like they did in 2016, on immigration. This is the final argument being made. The Kavanaugh effect was very helpful to us. The judges, the mob violence, all of that is a good argument. But they're making this about immigration as this illegal caravan is going up through Mexico. Here is the ad. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, please step out of the hallway. I can narrate this for people who can't read it. Democrats, let him into our country. He just killed two. He wishes he killed more of those blanks. I'm going to kill more cops soon. Democrats, let him stay. He says he wants to apply for pardon for the felony he committed. So he's, do you see this caravan moving up? He's saying you're seeing criminals, you're seeing young men creating violence in this caravan says, who else would Democrats let in? There's this smiling illegal alien cop killer. President Donald J. Trump and Republicans are making America safe again. Brutal, devastating campaign ad and absolutely right. How do you think the media are responding to this ad? I'll give, I'll give you one guess, two syllables. What is it? It's racist. That's what they're saying. It's racist, which is uh, sort of ironic because the claim that it is racist is itself racist. We'll get to that in a second. What they're really claiming, I mean, everybody is saying this, shockingly racist ad, the most racist ad in 30, 50, 1,000 years. Okay. What is the claim of the ad? The claim of the ad is we, we shouldn't let these illegal aliens, thousands and thousands of them, barge into the country, break our laws illegally. The claim is that there are some criminals among them. The claim is that uh, uh, some of these criminals have not been deported. They've been allowed to stay and they've committed uh, more crimes. All of that is true. Here's what you need to know. Number one, illegal aliens commit a disproportionate share of federal crimes, period. It is often alleged on the left that illegal aliens commit fewer crimes than native-born Americans. 
It depends what studies you're looking at. It depends how you calibrate those data. But we do know that they commit a disproportionate share of federal crimes. 21% of non-immigration crimes are committed by non-citizens. That is uh, over two and a half times uh, their share of the population. Now, look, a lot of most crimes are state and local crimes. Okay, but as for federal crimes, they commit two and a half times their share of the population worth of crimes, non-immigration crimes. Um, now, there are some conflicting studies. There is a study out from the Cato Institute that shows lower rates of violent crime among illegal aliens. However, the Crime Prevention Research Center shows significantly higher rates of violent crime among illegal aliens. So you've got different studies. This is why conservatives tend not to rely on social scientific studies too much because they can be manipulated. They're easily politicized. Uh, as, as I believe it was Mark Twain said, there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. Uh, number two that you need to know, lefties are uh, pretending now that illegal immigration actually reduces crime. So you'll see, it sounds like the same argument, but it's not. The one argument is that illegal aliens commit less crime. The other is that uh, illegal immigration decreases crime. Over time, there is, there's a correlation between crime decreasing in America and illegal immigration increasing. Uh, correlation is not causation. So you see this at New York Times, all of the mainstream media reporting on this. Uh, and it's true. As over the last 30 years, illegal immigration has increased dramatically and crime has decreased. Okay. Uh, Apple computers have gotten faster too. Illegal immigration increases the speed of Apple computers. You know, uh, over that time, vegan coffee shops have increased as well. Illegal immigration results in a higher percentage of vegan coffee shops. Of course not. There are different trends that are happening. Crime has fallen in the United States, violent crime, over the last 30 years dramatically. This is not because we've let a lot of illegal immigrants into the country and illegal aliens are residing here and they're like Tibetan monks or something. You know, come on, all we are saying is give peace a chance. That's not what they're that's not what they're saying. Those are two different trends and they're not related. Number three, uh, Cato Institute observes that legal immigrants are less likely to be in jails or prison in the U.S. The point being that uh, uh, it's all of this immigration, illegal and illegal, should be encouraged. That's how the left is using that statistic. No, it just means that legal immigrants are very law-abiding. And what the left always tries to do, this is why they change the language here. It's why you now have to say undocumented immigrant or dreamer or whatever instead of illegal alien, is they want to conflate illegal immigrants with legal immigrants. But they aren't the same thing. They're not immigrants. They're, they're foreign nationals who are here illegally. They're not immigrants. And illegal aliens behave differently than legal immigrants to the United States. Obviously so. The first act of an illegal alien in the U.S. is to break a fundamental law. Legal immigrants from the same countries, from the same exact places, wait online, respect the law of the United States, and they tend to be more law-abiding. This is no shock at all. I mean, the, the one thing we know about these two groups is one of them follows the law and one does not follow the law. And it's a little sleight of hand that the left does because they say, look, immigrants commit far less crime. Uh, okay, but what about illegal aliens? Those are totally different questions. Uh, and this, this one hasn't been reported, the fourth thing you should know. Uh, the Guatemalan president, president of Guatemala, has said publicly that he has caught ISIS trying to uh, caught ISIS operatives in his country, presumably to join the caravan and enter into the United States. 
unless they just wanted to go for the really delicious Guatemalan food. I don't know what else they were doing down there, if not to attack the United States. He has said, Jimmy Morales, the president of Guatemala, that uh, he has caught and deported 100, nearly 100, Islamic terrorists in his country just within the last month. Just right before that, that caravan was moving from Honduras into Guatemala, eventually into Mexico, he says that he caught 100 uh, ISIS-affiliated Islamic terrorists there. Did he? I don't know. Is, is the president of Guatemala telling the truth? I don't know. What incentive does he have to lie? I, I don't really think he has any incentive to lie either. What I can promise you is that you have not seen that reported in the mainstream media. And actually, the one time, I think Pete Hegseth on Fox and Friends mentioned this, and the media piled on. They said, how dare you report this? How dare you report this? Well, the president of Guatemala said it. That's all, that's all we're saying. And why won't you cover what the president of Guatemala, who is there, who knows a lot more about this caravan than you do, Chris Cuomo or Don Lemon or Brian Stelter or anyone else on CNN, why aren't you reporting that? Because it contradicts the narrative that these are all peaceful, loving mothers and their cherubic children who just want a better life, who love America and want to come here and eat apple pie and go to baseball games. That is not the case. The reality from all the videos we've seen of this caravan and from the testimony of the president of Guatemala contradicts that. Uh, another thing you should know is that there are a ton of criminals in here. In Guatemala, the Guatemalan authorities have saved seven children from human traffickers who were bringing them into the United States to do whatever horrific, nefarious things that uh, these people do, that human traffickers and coyotes uh, will do with them. So they've only caught seven. I hope, I hope they can rescue more, but who, who knows how many there are. This is the trouble with unvetted, random, violent mobs trying to break their way into the country, is there's no vetting. You have no idea who these people are. You don't know their criminality. You don't know the relationship of these adults to the children. So the Democrats demagogue all the time. They say, you're separating families at the border. You're separating this father from his son. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you are. I, do you know that? Do you know that that little girl is the daughter of that man? No, you don't know that at all. There aren't any documents. This is why we have legal structures to make sure that the people who are coming to the country are who they say that they are and that we're protecting kids. We know the statistic. I mention it a lot, but I mention it a lot because the mainstream media won't, which is that 60 to 80 percent of women and girls, according to Amnesty International and Fusion in the Huffington Post, are sexually assaulted when they cross the border into the U.S. illegally. So clearly, we, we don't know that the little daughter belongs to the father coming in here. Uh, Guatemalan authorities have arrested, or have, have arrested a number of traffickers and rescued seven kids. That's good. We also know that Mexico, once the caravan made it into Mexico, has arrested and deported two fugitives wanted for murder. We know of just two. Who knows how many more there are? You saw the video. You saw it wasn't a lot of women and children, was it? It was young men getting very violent at borders. Okay. Uh, the, the last thing you should know about this, the majority of Americans want this caravan stopped. All public polling has suggested this. I think that the latest poll is that 51% uh, of Americans want this stopped. They don't want anybody let into the country. 38% want some people to be let in and have their cases heard and see if they qualify for asylum or this, this or that or the other thing. So you've got, that's a significant margin. You've got the majority of the country doesn't want this. That's Republicans, that's Democrats, that's independents. 
this is why President Trump has identified this issue as so important, because maybe he hasn't read Edmund Burke or Michael Oakeshott or gone to Heritage Foundation lunches, but he does know that people really care about this. It's so offensive, and it is a real danger. You know, I think when, when these girls, uh, Katie Steinle was killed by an illegal alien, Molly Tibbetts, I think, was another one killed by an illegal alien. Whenever President Trump would point that out, he'd be talking about uh, how awful illegal immigration is, what a danger it is to the country. Then the left would say there's no danger at all. And then some American citizen, w in those cases, young girls, uh, were killed by illegal aliens. And the left would say, oh, that's just convenient. That's just an anecdote. These girls aren't anecdotes. They're American citizens who are, who are dead because of the horrific, reckless, anti-American, anti-lawful policies of Democrats. That's why. Okay, people make mistakes. Politicians make mistakes all the time. P politicians can support disastrous policies. Okay, but then stop. Stop supporting the policy. Turn around. Support a different policy. Um, a lot more to get to on this question, but first, I've got to make a little money, honey, then we can analyze all of the sad, desperate, empty arguments in the home stretch of these midterm elections. But first, speaking of safety and making neighborhoods safer, we got to thank Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. Today, over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Ring knows that home security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So now they're extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring floodlight camera. You know, when you try to break into a home and then the floodlight comes on and then you scamper away into the woods, that is a floodlight. Uh, Ring has put a camera in there. What's great about them, too, all my cool guy friends have Ring. They're, they're, all of them do. I've given Ring to some friends of mine because it's so good. And uh, it's, it's great because you can see them on, on your phone. You can be in your house or on a beach in Boca, who knows, and you, you can talk to them. You, you're able to communicate, scare them away, and it's uploaded into the cloud so you can share it with your neighbors. Say, watch out for this guy. If the robber steals your ring doorbell, you've already got the video because it's in the cloud. It's a tremendous product. I can't believe how inexpensive it is for all the value that you get. It is the ultimate in in-home security. Uh, with high visibility floodlights, powerful HD camera, put security in your hands right now. Don't say I never did nothing for you. Save up to $150 off of a ring of security kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. What is it? I already told you twice. I'll tell you again. Ring.com slash Knowles. Okay, so Trump has identified this issue. It's no coincidence that this is the issue that he's ending on. I mean, this is the final pitch. We're now, it's now Thursday. We've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Five days left for the midterm elections. His final pitch is this, because he knows it works. And it matters. It's a really important issue, and that's the reason it resonates with the American people. President Trump began his presidential campaign on this. He, in many ways, concluded his presidential campaign on this, and he's concluding the midterms on this as well. It's because it matters, and it shows a degree of political sophistication and discipline here. People like to pretend that Donald Trump isn't disciplined, that he's reckless, he's this emotional guy, he takes everything personally, he lashes out. Nonsense. Nonsense. That isn't what's happening. Trump is one of the most disciplined politicians I've ever seen. He stays extraordinarily on message. He's been on message now for three years, almost three years, on this issue of illegal immigration. He doesn't really seem to take things 
personally. He performs, he puts on a show, he picks fights, he certainly defends in fights, but he doesn't seem to take things that personally. That's why he's the Teflon Don, right? That's why he's able. All of the horrific things that people say about him. Imagine all the, the horrific things. They say he, he's sexually attracted to his daughter. Remember that line of attack? They say he's a traitor to his country. He colluded with Russia. He's fat. He's ugly. He's a baby. The New York Times fantasizes about assassinating him. The New York Times publishes pictures of him kissing and getting intimate with Vladimir Putin. The, on, uh, the list goes on and on and on. And he seems to still enjoy being president. You see him out there at these press conferences. You see him at the gaggles talking to the press. He's still up. He's still having a good time. If he were taking this personally, he would be isolated. He would be angry. He, would, he, would, uh, he wouldn't talk to the press. It's quite the opposite because he seems confident that he's going to win. And that confidence, that exuberance, really, uh, I think, has spread out among conservatives. I've been all over the country in the last week talking to different colleges, talking to different people. The conservatives I've spoken to seem pretty confident, and the lefties seem angrier than ever. Nowhere is this clearer than on the mainstream media and on CNN. Here is a CNN analyst, April Ryan, uh, speaking on Don Lemon's program. And what do you think? They're making their final arguments, too. Trump is making his arguments for the midterms. They're making theirs. What do you think? The final case. Vote for Democrats because. What's the argument they're making? Trump's a racist. Take it away. And, you know, it begs the question, he talks about the press being the enemy of, of the people. It begs the question, is he the enemy of the people by stirring up this hate, by causing people to actually act on uh, hatred or discrimination against those to even go as far as killing people? Oh, he's stirring up hatred and making people kill people. First, uh, just a, a note on word usage. She says it begs the question, it begs the question. That's not what begs the question means. Just a little digression. To beg the question, it means to assume the conclusion that you're trying to prove. That's, to, that's begging the question. Begging the question is not to ask a question. So uh, it, there's a little credibility issue here. I, I, <laughs> I, the minute she said that, I thought, this woman probably doesn't know what she's talking about. And I was correct. She's saying that Donald Trump is stirring up hatred, making people want to kill people, making people kill people. The obvious association she's trying to make is with this guy who slaughtered 11 people at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. That this is the big story in the headline. She's trying to say that uh, he's whipping people up into a frenzy to kill people. Um, unfortunately for her, e even the left is admitting that any connection between Trump and the Pittsburgh guy is false, that, that a connection between Trump and anti-Semitism is false. They've admitted that. They, they, the New York Times admitted, they said, quote, there have been four times as many crimes motivated by bias against Jews, 142 in all, as there have against blacks. Hate crimes against Jews have outnumbered hate crimes targeted transgender people by a factor of 20. They go on, quote, during the past 22 months, not one person, not one person caught or identified as the aggressor in an anti-Semitic hate crime has been associated with a far right wing group, according to Mark Molinari, commanding officer of the police department's hate crimes task force. Not one, not one. So they can't make that connection at all. As for what other, what other crimes have there been? Well, we saw a, a Bernie bro 
shoot up and almost kill Steve Scalise, shoot up the congressional baseball game because Republicans, he didn't like Republicans' opinions on health care. And you saw this wacko ex-stripper guy living in a van in Florida sent pipe bombs, none of which went off, none of which hurt anybody because he's a lunatic and incompetent. Okay, I'm willing to grant you the extreme fringes of both sides. There are wackos on the fringe on the right, there are wackos on the fringe on the left. But the mainstream, we're talking about the mainstream here. that's all, that's all hatred, that's all aggression and violence encouraged by the mainstream of the Democrat Party and uh, harshly rebuked by President Trump and every other Republican. All right. Uh, what is Bernie Sanders' final pitch? The, the former future president, if, if not for Hillary Clinton and the DNC rigging it, the former future president, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie, as we approach the midterms, what is your final vote for Democrats because Trump is a racist? Take it away. They are working to make certain that the agenda of the most racist, sexist, homophobic, bigoted president in history will go nowhere because Democrats will control the House and the Senate. The most racist, sexist, bigoted president in American history. So racist, in fact, so racist is Donald Trump that his support among black voters has more than doubled in just the last year. That's how, that's how racist he is. So racist that his support among Hispanic voters has surged within the last year. So, he's so racist, he's so bigoted that Israel built a train station in his honor. <laughs> the Donald Trump train station in Jerusalem. That's how bigoted he is. That's how racist he is. Uh, let's look at some other racist presidents, just for comparison. Just to see if, if maybe, maybe some other president has been more racist than perhaps the least racist president in history, Donald Trump. Let's just see. No, I don't know if he's the least racist. Who would be the least racist in history? I don't know. That's, re- that's a really hard one because the, the definition of racism keeps changing. They keep, uh, according to Democrats, if you want to lower taxes, you're a racist. So it's very hard. It's very hard to say who's the most racist and who's the least racist. But what we can, we can point to a few examples. Like, for example, Woodrow Wilson, Democrat president, uh, screened Birth of a Nation in the White House, <laughs> hosted a screening of Birth of a Nation extolling the virtues of the Ku Klux Klan in the White House. Okay, that's not, that's, it can't be. I, that's probably racist, right? How about uh, LBJ? LBJ famously pushed for the Civil Rights Act, so he gets credit for that. He also was, by any definition, a racist. Don't take my word for it. The New York, uh, MSNBC, rather, has admitted this in a, in a long analysis of his policies and his and his uh, rhetoric. He referred, according to his biographer, Robert Caro, to the Civil Rights Act as the N-word bill. Ninja. I'll say ninja, because he says that word a lot, so I'm just going to replace it with ninja. You know what word I'm saying. The ninja bill. He referred to uh, Asians as hordes of barbaric yellow dwarves. Quote. That's a direct quote. He would drive to gas stations when he was a young man, uh, playing on the stereotype that black people are afraid of snakes. Apparently, they're afraid of snakes. Everybody, I think, is afraid of snakes, but I guess there's a stereotype that black people are in particular. He would drive to gas stations with a snake in his trunk, and he would get the black uh, gas station attendant to open up the trunk and be scared of the snake. According to his biographer, Robert Dalek, uh, he uh, appointed 
Thurgood Marshall to the court, a very famous black guy, as opposed to a less famous black guy, because he said, quote, when I appoint a ninja to the bench, I want everybody to know he's a ninja. That's, that's according to LBJ's biographer, Robert Dalek. Robert Caro, according to LBJ's chauffeur, Robert Parker, said, quote, this is LBJ speaking to, uh, to Robert Parker. He'd asked him if he wanted to be called boy or ninja or by his name. The chauffeur obviously said, I'd like to be called by my name. LBJ, according to the chauffeur, according to lauded biographer Robert Caro, said, quote, as long as you're black and you're going to be black till the day you die, no one's going to call you by your GD name. So no matter what you're called, ninja, you just let it roll off your back like water and you'll make it. Just pretend you're a GD piece of furniture. It's according to Robert Caro. Okay, and that's according to the guy that he allegedly said it to. Um... I wouldn't say that Donald Trump is the most racist president in history. That's my conclusion from all of that. Uh, there's a big difference here between how the Republicans and the Democrats are running in this race. It tells you a lot about how they feel the country is going and how the opinions of the country are going. The Republicans are running on the record of Donald Trump. They are running on their record. Democrats are hiding their record and running away from their record. That's the difference. It's true in virtually every race in this going on in the country right now. Republicans are proudly running on the accomplishments of the last two years. Democrats are hiding their opinions, running away from their opinions, trying to make their uh, political opinions and views seem uh, more palatable to the, the majority of their constituents, whom they consider to be Trump supporters. Uh, we see this with uh, Gillum running down in Florida. He's running to be governor of Florida. Uh, here's a video of James O'Keefe doing God's work from Project Veritas, catching the campaign workers admitting just this. Here they are. I, I don't see just can't say, but I do think he's not saying specifically, like, I'm going to ban bump stocks, I'm going to come against ARs, only because he's running a race right now. I do think he would support anybody doing that stuff. Bill Nelson. Right, that's all I'm worried about. Whatever. Whoever the next person may be. I just wish insane just because he's trying to get the moderates and the gun toting people in the floor. All right, this is a bad state. Okay. It's a cracker state. Okay. Okay? Ask anybody outside of here, you go Port St. Lucie, Orlando. Man, them crackers ain't gonna let us do that. No, you crazy. So, what is he doing? He's campaigning, he's politicking. He's campaigning, he's politicking. That last guy, Omar Smith, apparently went to college with Gillum. Apparently he's an old pal of Gillum. I don't know why Gillum would hire this guy because he's not a great campaign worker. Uh, same thing down in Georgia. Stacey Abrams is running away from her anti-gun positions. She's saying that, uh, you know, she oh, she doesn't want to ban guns. She doesn't want to take guns out of people's hands. Uh, just to the AR-15. Just uh, the most popular rifle in America. Just And it's because the it's so powerful, but she's not this. She's pretending to be a moderate, it's, and it's it's a flat-out lie. She's far from a moderate, and she's, she's lying about uh, statistics. She's saying that uh, the AR-15 is a weapon of mass destruction, that it's too dangerous to have in civilian hands. Just one little statistic to keep in mind. Uh, in the year 2014, there were 5,562 deaths from handguns in the United States, only 248 from rifles of any kind. Actually, it's likely many more deaths are from handguns, but there are some, there are a couple thousand in the category where they don't know uh, they don't know how, which gun was used in that crime. So, uh, what is it, tw over 20 times more deaths, homicides from 
handguns. I think it's deaths, so it includes suicides as well, but over 20 times more deaths from handguns than any rifles of any kind. Uh, Harry Reid right now is backing off of his former positions. In 93, he introduced a bill to take away birthright citizenship, the same exact proposal that Donald Trump trolled Democrats into opposing just yesterday. Then he came out today, he said, you know, uh, I said that, but then my wife immediately told me it was wrong, and I agreed it was wrong. B.S. Because then a year later, Harry Reid doubled down on his on his support for that in a column for the LA Times and said that we should take away birthright citizenship. Running away from that, finally, Liawatha, Focahontas herself, running away from what she did, how she exploited Christine Ford and the, uh, the uh, confirmation for Brett Kavanaugh. Here, very quickly, is Liawatha getting caught with a major ethics complaint during a debate. I would, I would like to drill down on what Representative Deal said. Uh, the, the fundraising while the vote was being taken on the Kavanaugh hearing, did you or did you not do that? I, actually, I don't know, and I don't know what the... I'll there have has to been look. an Isn't ethics... there an ethics committee? In, yeah, there's there an ethics complaint? complaint has been filed about a fundraising... Then, then I, will, I will check into it, but I don't know. Do you have any response to that, I don't. Representative Deal? <laughs> Chef Deal, uh, no, I have no, please let her keep hanging herself, that's fine. Please let her keep humiliating herself. I'd, oh, well, I'll look into it. I don't, uh, 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 Trump's a racist. Yeah, that's it. Those are your choices. This is your choices in this election. Great booming economy, relative peace abroad, record low joblessness, uh, a president with no evidence that he's discriminated against anybody, uh, total, total lies, greater freedom, greater equality, greater justice for all, or... Trump's a racist. Rah, rah, rah. Those are your two choices. Those are the two campaigns. I, I hope that uh, the American voters pay attention on Election Day. we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Please come join me in this leftist tears silo that we now find ourselves in. At least you can get your leftist tears Tumblr. Go to Daily Wire. It's 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, The Andrew Clavin Show, The Ben Shapiro Show, questions in the mailbag, Another Kingdom early. So another kingdom, you'll get the audio. Anybody can listen to the audio on Fridays, but you'll get to view it the, the Monday before. You'll get to view all the beautiful artwork. It's super cool, getting a lot of uh, great attention and really good numbers, so check it out. And the Leftist Tears Tumblr, hopefully we're all going to need it on Tuesday. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with the mailbag. All right, first question from Evan. Hey, Michael, I was wondering what you think Trump's greatest accomplishments have been so far in his presidency. Keep up the good work. All of the show. Thanks. The greatest accomplishment, probably the most long-lasting accomplishment, is destroying the credibility of the mainstream media, or rather exposing the uncredibility of the mainstream media because he didn't destroy it. They destroyed it themselves. They have no credibility. No question about that. But he triggered them. As John Stewart was saying the other day, he triggered them into exposing it. He triggered them into exposing themselves as hack partisan narcissists who take everything personally, who pretend that they are the most important, glorious heroes on the face of the earth, and he showed them for what they are, which is partisan hack narcissists. That's the most important. The second most important are the judges. The judges are so important. He's gotten a lot more judges through than anybody thought he would at this point. Two on the Supreme Court, countless others at the federal courts, and they will shape uh, in large part how the country is governed. In, in some ways this is too bad because we want our country to be governed out of the legislature and then out of the executive. We want judges to call balls and strikes. 
but the left has weaponized the legislature for so long and uh, President Trump has been able to undo a lot of that. And we now have institutions like the Federalist Society and other legal societies that can ensure that we get fair, serious, good players on the benches. President Trump has done that. Cocaine Mitch gets a lot of credit for that, too. Uh, that's an amazing legacy, and that will long, long outlive his presidency. Even if he were, heaven forfend, impeached tomorrow, it would long outlive his presidency, and it's, it's excellent work. He's done great on everything else, too. Um, and there's some signal. The one weakness is that they haven't reformed entitlements or made moves really in that direction. There's been some signal recently that they might do it. On everything else, he gets an A+. On every other question, he gets an A+, but those two are the most important. From Dan, Michael, I like the Brett Kavanaugh costume, but isn't gray hair like blackface kind of offensive? This is a great question. I suppose now, I've been trying not to admit this in public, but because you've accused me of cultural appropriation, I will have to admit this. My head of hair is one 1,024th gray. It is. It is. The other day I was in the mirror, I, was combing, I found one little gray hair right here. And so I, my hair is more gray than Elizabeth Warren is Indian. And, but I think as a result now, I can go out and portray myself as grayer than Brett Kavanaugh because I am one 1,024th gray, a gray American. Great question though. Thank you. And I'm, I'm actually, it's a real burden that I can, it's off my shoulders now that I can make that confession to you. From Benjamin. Dear Michael, King of Kofefe, earlier this month, I, my girlfriend and I broke up because she felt that God was telling her we needed to take a break. Heard that one before, buddy. I'm sorry to hear it. He goes on. So she can deal with anxiety in her life. I was not hearing that at all. In fact, I was beginning to think that I wanted to marry her. The past month has been very hard for me. I'm wondering if I try to move on or wait and see if she comes back after she works through her anxiety. I don't want to give up on our relationship, but I don't think my heart could take waiting months for her, only to find out she's already moved on. Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks. Love the show. Oh, where to begin? You should not give up entirely. It depends. I don't know the details of this breakup. First of all, she just broke up with you. It's not because God told her to. It's not because of some transcendent experience. She broke up with you. She broke up with you. You didn't want to break up, and she broke up with you. Period. So you got dumped, okay. Now, you really like the girl and you don't want to take no for an answer on having a relationship with her. Okay, fair enough. Just because the girl broke up with you doesn't mean that you won't get back together at some point in the future. You should be around, but you should not wait around. Ovid, the great ancient writer, has a, a good book called Remedia Amoris, The Cure for Love. He has a lot of... Uh, a lot of suggestions for how to get over a relationship, uh, to get over a love affair. And I won't say them here because they're probably too vulgar for this family show, but you can give it a read and entertain those ideas if you like. You should be around but not wait around. Go on dates with other girls. Go see other girls. Go talk to them. Go meet a girl at a bar or in class or at whatever hobby you do or on one of the apps or something. Meet girls. Go out. You got dumped. You're single. Go talk to girls. Go explore. A lot of fish in the sea. If you really, really like the girl, be around. Maybe when she wises up, comes to her senses, then you guys can get back together. But don't wait around because no girl wants some schlub who's just waiting around. It seems, uh, it doesn't seem very manly. 
Women want a guy who's behaving at all in a manly way. I'm not exactly an Adonis myself, but there are certain things that you can do to better your situation, and that's one of them. Be around, sure, but definitely don't wait around. From Andy. Hey, Michael. I've got a Socratic seminar in my teaching class next week discussing whether literacy should be a right or not. I disagree because it's a good... It's a good and places an obligation on taxpayers and others. Are there any other points that I could bring up to support my side since I know for a fact I'll be in a small minority? Andy. Um, yeah. It, I, I don't, the question, is literacy a right, is a nonsense. It is a blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean anything, so I'm a little stumped on how you could even respond to it. Literacy is a skill. You have to learn how to read. <laughs> you can't you, you, you say, oh, I skipped uh, every class from first grade to college, uh, and so I don't know how to read or do anything else, but I demand it. It's my right. No, it's a skill. <laughs> it's not a right. You, have, uh, you know, I think that um, uh, whitewater rafting is a right. It's a right, so I'm going to go do it. I think, you know, I think that uh, surfing is a right. So I can't understand why I'm not very good at surfing, because <laughs> it's a right, isn't it? No, it's a skill. And it requires work, and it requires character and virtue and discipline <laughs> to learn how to read. Uh, it's a skill. Unfortunately, in this country, a lot of people are treating skills as though they are rights, which is why they can't do anything and they can't get a job, <laughs> or they can't, they can't get the job that they want. It's a skill. And if your classmates and teachers had, uh, had acquired the skill uh, and the, uh, of literacy and the other skills of education, maybe they wouldn't ask such a stupid question. From Ryan, if the founders were alive today and saw how the, our federal government has expanded, would they rebel against it? No, they wouldn't. I know that's an unpopular opinion. I know that even among conservative and certainly libertarian circles, we say, oh, they would be shocked, they would rebel, there'd be a revolution. No, they wouldn't. The Federalists understood that we needed a, a robust federal government. Alexander Hamilton favored a monarchy rather than the presidency. And Thomas Jefferson, the head of the Anti-Federalists, and then ultimately the Jeffersonian Democrats, out-Federalisted the Federalists when he made the Louisiana Purchase and vastly expanded the scope of federal territory and of the, the, the size of the country and the federal government. So, no, I don't think they would. They would have a lot to criticize about our government, but I don't think the sheer size of it would be a source of criticism, and I don't think they would rebel against it for that way. I think really the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists and the Jeffersonian Democrats, which, which the latter became, I think uh, they, would, they would sort of understand it because the natural progression, by the way, of government is to grow, even among those great men. It is to grow. It is to take too much power. So I don't think they'd be surprised at all. Should we whittle it down? Would they think we should whittle it down? Very probably, but I don't think that they would, uh, they would exactly uh, revolt against it. From Brett. Dear Michael, do you like beer? No, I'm kidding. It's not, it's not from that bet, Brett. Uh, dear Michael, do you think that the mail bombs will have any effect on the midterms? Thanks a ton, Brett. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think they will. I feared that they would. I don't think that it's been reflected in polling that it's stopped Republican momentum or that it has turned momentum in favor of Democrats. And the bombs didn't go off. I think this guy seems to be a total lunatic who was homeless, living in a van, ex-stripper, clearly had psychological problems. I don't think people care. I think there have been a lot of distractions. Look, if, if someone had been injured or killed, maybe it would have. But because these were awful bombs that don't, in many cases couldn't have even detonated, apparently, according to the New York Times, I don't think people are taking it that seriously, which is good. It's good because people weren't hurt, and it's good because it won't 
apparently hurt us with the elections. This election is going to be about issues. And Republicans have made issues out of illegal immigration, law and order, and the judges. Democrats have shrieked and howled and cried racism. And that's their issue. They're running against Trump, and it puts them in a bad position because you can't win a campaign against somebody. And I think you'll see in, in the places where Democrats do win seats, it's because they'll have offered something other than just rah, rah, racism. That's not, that's not going to work. You can't run against something. From Riley. On Monday, when you were talking about the death penalty, my roommate and I, we were both Catholic, and my roommate was listening along with me. He said that what you were saying went against Catholic doctrine. He stated that killing for killing was textbook eye for an eye. I would like to know if you could prove definitively that the death penalty does not go against doctrine. Thanks. I sometimes listen to your show. <laughs> of course. Uh, his his opinion, the problem with his opinion is that it is not correct, though it is a popular misconception today. St. Paul writes definitively about the legitimacy of uh, the state in capital punishment, the legitimacy of execution uh, by the civil authority. St. Augustine writes about the same thing, father of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas, doctor of the church, writes about the same thing. The Council of Trent in the 16th century, upheld the legitimacy of capital punishment by the civil authority. Blessed Pius IX, blessed Pius IX, carried out capital punishment or sanctioned it uh, as pope. And Pope Pius XII was so supportive of the Nuremberg trials that were executing Nazi war criminals that he sent his own lawyers there to hasten them up. He said, we wish to see this uh, completed as quickly as possible. And he sent his own lawyers to make sure those Nazis got what was coming toward them. Uh, even John Paul II, by the way, acknowledged the legitimacy of the four different types of punishment that we talked about on the show the other day, even while personally discouraging the use of capital punishment. And Pope Benedict, the last, Bened uh, the last pope, put it very, very well, which is, he said, quote, if a Catholic were to be at odds with the Holy Father on the application of capital punishment or on the decision to wage war, he would not for that reason be considered unworthy to present himself to receive Holy Communion, which is to say there can be a legitimate difference of opinion among Catholics on capital punishment. I think clearly scripture, sacred tradition, the, the history of the Catholic Church upholds the perfect legitimacy of capital punishment. Uh, but uh, there can be legitimate disagreement there. Pope Francis has confused this issue tremendously with his highly confusing revision to the catechism, but I'm not, I'm not going to concern myself with that because, uh, because even he uh, wasn't able to suggest that capital punishment is intrinsically evil uh, because obviously it's not. From our, Do we have time for one more? we got time for one more. Last one. Okay, fine. From Arun. Dear Dr. Kofefe, I'm one of those Indians on whose behalf white leftists are presuming to be offended about Apu. What responsibility would you say I, as an American conservative, have to speak out against this fake outrage? Any suggestions on how I can do so without being labeled a self-racist British collaborator or whatever the Indian equivalent of Uncle Tom is? Uh, or is fighting the left on this a losing battle? Thank you. Come again. <laughs> Great, uh, great point. <laughs> I think that you should speak up. I think that it's very important for uh, racial, ethnic minorities who consider themselves right-wing, who reject the identity politics of the left and of the Democrats, to speak up about it. Because there's just more credibility when it comes from the racial minorities. 
what the left does is has a bunch of shrieking white millennial women pre pretending to be offended on behalf of racial minorities. And they get away with it because the only people who can point out that that's absurd who are speaking out very often are old white dudes in the Republican Party or the conservative movement. With, with some, I mean, you, you've now seen certain people coming out. Obviously, uh, Kanye West wore the MAGA hat in the Oval Office and talked about liberals breaking up the black family. So there are exceptions. But it's, it's has a great impact, and I think it's very important to do it. And you will be called an Uncle Deepak or whatever the Indian version of Uncle Tom is. Uh, you will be. You absolutely will be. You'll be called a racist against your own people. That, that's what you got to deal with. And the, the left is mucky and s vicious and slings insults and calumny all the time. In fact, that's their only argument in the 2018 midterm elections. That's the price of doing business. I won't blame you if you don't do it, but you should speak out. Okay, that's our show. We got a lot more coming up on Monday and, of course, Tuesday, and we'll be following the election results on Tuesday as well. In the meantime, listen to Another Kingdom. It's very fun and super cool. And it's certainly the last time I'll ever work as a performer in Hollywood, so make sure that you check it out. In the meantime, I will see you on Monday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Senior Producer, Jonathan Hay. Our Supervising Producer, Mathis Glover. And our Technical Producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and Makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.